This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We start tonight with how the community of Tofino is still hoping for some news on three boaters who are still missing after the boat they were on sank early yesterday morning. The official search has now been scaled back and turned over to the RCMP as a missing persons case. Kristen Robinson has the latest, including how one of two survivors was rescued. With the official search scaled back, the community of Tofino not giving up. Everybody's still hoping for the best. West Coast search and rescue and a fleet of boats taking to the waters, looking for any sign of three men missing since early Friday after their six-meter tin boat capsized. A fourth man was rescued. A fifth managed to swim to shore. After hearing a, a couple of cries of help, I was able to communicate with somebody uh, who was who's in the bushes. Simon Allison called 911 and eventually found one of the survivors in downtown Tofino. I was able to find a person who was uh, pretty much naked from the waist down. I took his shirt off, uh, gave him uh, my, my clothes or helped him with his, 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 taking his clothes off and getting my, my warm, dry clothing on because he was clearly hypothermic. And we were able to determine that it was his brother that had been rescued. The three men still missing, Marcel Martin, Carl Martin Jr. and Terrence Brown Jr., well-respected members of the Toloquiat First Nation. Marcel Martin honored for bravery after another tragedy. Six people died when the Leviathan II capsized in October 2015, but 21 lives were saved thanks to 10 heroes, including Marcel, who received a silver medal for merit from the Lifesaving Society. One of these individuals um, I know is to be a, a, a great fisherman and have... have, have received seafood from him many times, best clams in the world. It's believed the men may have been out fishing before their small boat sank. I can only say good things. Um, I, I know the family um, uh, can not stress enough how much this is going to hurt the community, uh, people from every walk of life. Um, it's a pretty tight-knit community. Search and rescue volunteers still active and say they'll assess the situation day by day after liaising with RCMP. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Passengers face delays on a BC ferry today heading to and from the Sunshine Coast. It happened this morning after a semi-trailer got stuck trying to get on board. The truck was carrying a load of asphalt and was trying to board the Queen of Surrey at the Horseshoe Bay Ferry Terminal before 7.30 this morning. It's the truck's landing gear that got stuck on the loading ramp. There was an attempt to tow it back out. At one point, a worker seen trying to dislodge something but it only got moving after a welding team was called in to cut the landing gear off. Travellers were delayed for about three hours. I came here at, um, on time, we loaded up, and then we were on the ferry for a short period of time, well, maybe 45 minutes, and then they told us all the cars on the top deck had to get off the deck. The whole top deck backed off, and uh, the good thing is we at least have the option of going home if this doesn't work out. But uh, we've been here a long time, and I actually went through the top walkway, and I had a look 
over top of the truck and it's filled with tar and the open compartment you can see there's hot steam coming out of it when i showed up the they were unloading the top portion of the ferry at the time uh just backing the cars up and i understand there's about I don't know, a, a quarter of the ferry has been, of the top deck of the ferry has been backed off. So um, I have my brother, he's up to, on that boat right now and he's not very happy. <laughs> Well, the Queen of Coquitlam had to be brought in to help deal with the delays for passengers waiting at Langford and Horseshoe Bay. And it's not the first time a truck's got stuck on a BC ferry causing major delays. You might remember this case. It was two years ago. Another semi caught up on the ramp at Horseshoe Bay. At least six sailings to Nanaimo and the Sunshine Coast had to be cancelled as a result of this. In the end, they had to wait for the tide to come up in order to get the heavy vehicle removed. All a bit messy, though. Five cars getting stuck stuck behind uh, that heavy vehicle and unable to get out for hours. All right, turning to people on Vancouver's North Shore, they're helping dozens of residents now homeless after a deadly fire there nearly a week ago. Flames broke out at an apartment building in Lynn Valley early on Monday morning. Tragically, a mother and her young son died. As Jill Bennett reports, the community now stepping up this weekend in hopes of easing their pain. It's a community showing its strength. Hundreds of Lynn Valley residents out for the annual Lynn Valley Day festivities. But this year, they are taking place after a major loss. Well, you know, when there's a tragedy like that, it doesn't just hit the families, it hits the whole community. On Monday morning, flames tore through the Mountain Village Garden Apartments complex in Lynn Valley. A mother, Narges Kasnajad, and her son Sepper died in the fire. Several other residents were sent to hospital. Dozens have lost their homes. There's so much suffering going on over there, and it's such a tragedy. And it really is horrible, really. I think Lynn Valley is such a great community, and when something like that happens, everyone feels it. So, you know, our kids go to school with some of the kids, and it's just, for us, it's just, you need to support them. Thank you so much. There has been so much support in just the last few days. Groups collecting donations have had to ask people to stop donating household items because they already have so many. I think the real message here is it's about community, as you can see. Um, everyone's having a great time. They're here to support. Uh, the generosity was just so large that we just can't handle the uh, items. So financial uh, donations are still very much needed. It's unclear what will happen to the complex. Several other buildings in the area have already been redeveloped. Mosaic Homes, which plans to redevelop Emory Village, matched cash donations at the Lynn Valley event, along with other corporate sponsors. Jill Bennett, Global News. A Washington state trucker linked to the cold case deaths of a Vancouver Island couple has now been charged with two counts of aggravated first-degree murder. 55-year-old William Earl Talbot was charged on Friday. Police say they used public genealogy websites to identify Talbot as a suspect in the 1987 deaths of 18-year-old Tanya Borg and 20-year-old Jay Cook. He was arrested after a DNA sample was taken from a cup that fell from his truck. Van Kylenborg and Cook left their Saanich homes for an overnight trip to Seattle more than three decades ago. Their bodies were found days later when Talbot was first charged last month. He had only been charged with Tanya's murder. It is believed another endangered orca has died off B.C.'s coast. The Centre for Whale Research in Washington State says a southern resident killer whale known as L-92 is presumed dead. 
The death bringing the total number of southern resident killer whales to 75. That is the lowest count since the early 1980s. The population has been dropping. It's dropped by eight in the last two years. This orca estimated to be around 23 years old and hadn't been seen with his pod for around two months. Upgrades to Vancouver's commercial Broadway SkyTrain station are underway right now. There is also a partial road closure, which is still in effect. Vancouver police helping direct traffic at East Broadway and Commercial Drive. The stretch between Commercial and Victoria Drive was shut down to traffic last night. That won't be open again until 6 tomorrow morning. Crews are working to clear up a temporary work area that was being used to build a new SkyTrain platform. That includes fixing the sidewalk, so they have a fair bit of work to do. Pedestrian access on the north side of Broadway is currently blocked. Uh, it's been entertaining, to say the least, but all is good. I guess they have to do what they need to do, and that is that. Sometimes it's annoying, but if they need to do it, then... Why not? Just do it. Have you been inconvenienced by the, the road closures here? Not yet. I'm just about to hop on the 99, so yeah, we'll see. Frankly, it's not that big of a deal to me today. It can be kind of a pain for like certain areas, like just mainly because it's for the most part it just shows up like randomly, so it can be kind of annoying. But. Now, the zero waste movement is picking up steam. Some local and fast food chain restaurants, as well as cities, are working to get rid of single-use plastics like straws and containers made of foam. Now, a gro new grocery store set to open up in Vancouver is already well ahead of the game. Nadia Stewart reports. So this store is definitely unlike any other store that's out there. So everything that we sell is entirely package-free. It is the first of its kind in Vancouver, a store deliberate in its quest to cut waste. The goal is to have as little waste as possible. It's called Nada, a zero-waste grocery store. Shoppers bring their own containers or buy one in store, weigh them, and then fill up before weighing their purchases at the checkout. It's an idea that's been years in the making. I'm actually coming at this from a background in marine biology. Founded by Brianne Miller, the store got its start as a pop-up back in 2016. From there, more pop-ups, coupled with a successful crowdfunding campaign raising $55,000. And Nada was finally born. There's definitely a demand for this. A lot of people are really starting to think about their impacts of their, their purchases on both people and planet. As the zero waste movement prompts a shift in the shopping habits of Vancouverites. It's perfect timing, I would say. It's right where everyone's really picking up on this. Like, the city just banned plastic straws and styrofoam containers, so there's this really big wave towards all of that. Granville Island has also banned plastic bags. Other retailers making similar moves. Miller's store is now the second in B.C. Salt Spring Island has been home to a zero-waste store since 2016. But this is hardly a trend. Miller says it's quickly becoming a way of life. The zero waste movement isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, people, as they become more educated about some of the environmental problems that we're facing, I think ultimately we'll just get a larger and larger shift towards shopping this way. Nada officially opens on Wednesday. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Welcome back. Well, police in Toronto have arrested a man, <coughs> excuse me, a man with attempted murder after two girls were shot in a playground. On Thursday, a man allegedly opened fire on another in a park. Two girls aged five and nine years old were caught in the crossfire. 
They were both hit and are now recovering from gunshot wounds in hospital. 21-year-old Sheldon Area of Markham has been arrested. That was yesterday afternoon. He's now facing multiple charges. He made his first court appearance this morning. We've got to get these people off the street and serve notice to everybody else who carries a gun and who would even think of doing such a thing. They're going to be rounded up and we're going to make sure that they're, uh, they're put away. At least you know they're working very hard and they're doing their best to catch these guys and hopefully they catch the remainder. We have to believe what the city, what Toronto, what the police is going to do it for us. I do believe it. Sooner or later, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, they will get arrested. Police are still looking for two other male suspects. A benefit concert is underway right now in Airdrie for Humboldt Bronco Ryan Strasnitsky. He's still undergoing physiotherapy at the Shriners Hospital in Philadelphia. He was paralyzed from the chest down in April's crash. Bands will be performing tonight to help raise money for the 19-year-old's recovery. He's doing really well. He's pushing through, and uh, he's been in the pool now. He's done the FES bike. Um, he really enjoys that stuff, and he's working out. Like, he's still he's building up his muscles. He's, he's trying to find his balance point now because without the core, he doesn't really know where that is. But um, I'm confident that he's going to find a new way to figure out where that is. Overwhelmingly grateful. It's just, it's, it's so, it's amazing what everybody's come together and and they just want to help they really do and it, it's so appreciated unbelievably so and in the meantime the head of the humboldt broncos says the team has been overwhelmed by the number of applications for the head coach position former head coach darcy hogan was one of the 16 people killed in april's bus crash in rural saskatchewan now the team's president says there are so many people vying to take Hogan's place, so the applicants will just have to wait a little longer to find out who has got the job. Overseas, eight people, including two from Mexico, were hurt today after a taxi crashed into a group of pedestrians near Red Square in Moscow. People could be seen running away after the crash. The taxi approached a stopped line of cars before veering onto the sidewalk and hitting people. It then hit a traffic sign and bystanders trying to wrestle the driver out of the taxi, but he broke away and ran. He was later detained by police. Russia, of course, is hosting the World Cup and the streets have been packed with international visitors. There are reports the driver is a citizen of the former Soviet Republic of Kazakhstan who told police the crash was not intentional. Now to the latest shocking figures over the U.S. government's zero-tolerance policy on illegal immigration. Now, nearly 2,000 children have been separated from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. That is in just the past six weeks alone. They're building 10 cities near the border. A necessary step as the Trump administration's hardline immigration policy has had its intended effect. Thousands of migrants swept up, detained after both illegal and legal border crossings. Many of them children. 2,000 already separated from their parents in the last six weeks, housed in a former Walmart or small group homes like this one in San Diego. If a family has both boys and girls as children, then the siblings are separated. Uh, the girls live in a different facility. The boys live here. It's not just near the border where you can see this story playing out. Mama. On a porch in Chicago, some 2,000 miles from the Tijuana border crossing, where Maritza Delgado entered the U.S. seeking asylum, her family now awaits a hearing. And every day, they wait for this call. 
Maritza's 18-year-old daughter on the phone, separated from her mother and sisters and detained in California for more than a month. They haven't told her when, when she might be able to get out or when she might be able to see her mom again. The family entered the country with that migrant caravan, legally asking for asylum at a U.S. port of entry. She says gangs tortured and killed her father. They found him in the field and that he had been decapitated. A return home, they say, would be certain death. Attorney General Jeff Sessions said this week, fear of gangs is no longer a reason to be granted safe haven here, using Bible verse to justify the administration's new immigration practices. And I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans uh, 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained, ordained the government for his purposes. Stunning video out of Hawaii shows a massive river of lava flowing onto the big island. Now, let's show you these images. These come after five straight days of earthquakes that are causing lava flows to intensify. Fountains gushing up to 40 meters into the air. Experts also forecasting a heavier layer of pollution now over parts of the island. This is a result of the ongoing eruptions this weekend. So far, the volcano has destroyed at least 450 homes. A mother in Kansas City has been slapped with a massive insurance bill after her son was caught on camera knocking over a sculpture. The artwork was on display at a city-owned community centre. Now, the boy and his friend were just playing away from their parents, as kids do, when he is seen climbing onto it. Eventually, it ends up crashing on the floor. The city's insurance company has billed his mother now $132,000 for the damage, saying her failure to monitor her son could be considered negligent. The mother is contesting the bill, saying clearly it was an accident, but the city points out that the artwork was not designed to be climbed on. And our hearts go out to that moment. Every, because, you know, every parent has... Be, right? I mean, parents major in being negligent looking after their kids. And you can't, can't keep an eye on them the whole time. Exactly. Come on. I know. Well, did you see the mothers that were just sitting there? <laughs> yeah, watching. but, you know, 132,000. Oh, that's just plain mean. That's right. There's that just too many cameras in this world today. <laughs> right? Well said, Come on. Barry. Yeah, too right. <laughs> Lots of sunshine today, though. Plenty of sunshine. Yeah, yeah, it is a scorcher. The heat is on. The heat wave is upon us. Special weather statements have now been extended to include northern parts of the province. This means that pretty much all of us are going to be seeing temperatures over 30 degrees. It's hard to believe that just last week I was sitting here talking about snow. Yes, at higher elevations, but <laughs> snow nonetheless. It's beautiful outside. Uh, some of us are looking at thunder showers at this hour, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you know who's got the risk through the evening and how long it should last. All right. Okay. That's uh, good stuff from Kasia and mm-hmm. also lots of sport with uh, Barry as well. Mm-hmm. I guess the World Cup kind of features in that World somewhere. Cup is uh, going on today. Highlights mm-hmm. of the four games. Uh, roof will be off BC Place. I had the convertible down, top down today, too. Oh, you top did? down at BC All first of the year. Did hey, you? when Kasia delivers the weather, you got to take advantage. <laughs> you uh, take- yeah, they'll have the roof open for the Lions home openers. We'll preview that as well. And uh, big changes at the U.S. Open. Looked like Dustin Johnson, you know, Wayne Gretzky's uh, son-in-law, had it all wrapped up. But U.S. Open's such a tough, uh, they, they trick up the courses. They're so, so hard. And uh, DJ had a tough day, so we'll show you that as well. 
Welcome back. Well, a startling new study revealing the alarming rate of climate change on this planet. The key findings show the major ice melt in Antarctica is happening much faster than first thought. It's also affecting sea levels quicker than predicted. NBC's Ann Thompson has this report. Ann Thompson has the details. Ominous developments at the bottom of the earth. Look at that. The melting of the massive Antarctic ice sheet speeding up, according to a new study, tripling in the past decade, causing sea levels to rise faster today than any time in the past 25 years. The culprit, climate change. Greenhouse gases heating up the water and air when we burn coal, oil and gas. A lot of these glaciers have been speeding up. Uh, in recent times in response to a warmer ocean. Dr. Eric Rignot is one of the authors of the study published in this week's Nature. Using satellite surveys, scientists from more than 40 international groups found Antarctica shed 3 trillion tons of ice between 1992 and 2017, adding three-tenths of an inch to sea level rise. Now that doesn't sound like much, but if the trend continues, Rignot says we could see three feet of sea level rise by the end of the century, reshaping America's coast. It will be a sort of flooding that's not going to recede, flooding uh, of streets and, and neighborhoods that's not going to go away once the water evaporates. Today, most of the ice loss comes from West Antarctica, where two glaciers are in rapid retreat and an ice shelf collapse in the Antarctic Peninsula. Scientists say we can slow down the melting if we move to cleaner energy sources to keep the ice and seas where they belong. Ann Thompson, NBC News, New York. Now, in health matters, here's another reason why you need to keep, your, keep nagging your child even to get enough sleep. A new study published in the journal Pediatrics found that teenagers who don't get enough quality of sleep face more cardiovascular risk factors. Adolescents who sleep less than seven hours a night were found to have increased body fat and higher blood pressure. And a Dutch study suggesting portable music players may be impacting children's hearing. Researchers found that 40% of kids who used the devices had some form of high-frequency hearing loss. In fact, about one in seven children showed signs of hearing impairment before they even started going to loud clubs and concerts. Welcome back. Well, a motorcyclist is seriously hurt after a three-vehicle crash involving a bus in Vancouver. This happened just before noon on East 41st Avenue near Commercial Drive. Police trying to determine how a sedan, a motorcycle and a bus all collided. The 35-year-old man who was riding the motorcycle is in hospital right now. He is expected to survive. The road was closed briefly as investigators collected evidence at the scene. All right, more news coming up a bit later. Right now, let's throw it over to Kasia Baderka for a look at the weather. And it was a gloriously hot day today. And it's still beautiful. It still is, We're yeah. still uh, experiencing our daytime high for today, sitting at 22 degrees. That's what we're forecasting for. Further inland, places like Abbotsford sitting at 27 at this hour. Everybody else, have a look. It is warm. 28 in Fort Nelson, all the way up there. 28 in Kamloops at this hour. It's 24 in Osoyoos. 25 in Tofino, well above seasonal. The first heat wave is on. And now our special weather statements, I was showing this earlier this morning, they're now uh, 
uh, they've in, extended to include the Bulkley Valley and the lakes as well as the BC Peace River region. So all of these places will be flirting with the 30 degree mark or more over the next few days. Three consecutive days of 30 and over. That's your official definition of a heat wave. Have a look at what's happening for Metro Vancouver. By the way, this is inland temperature. So closer to the water, it's a little bit chillier. It's still quite gusty. Even now at this hour, it's gusty, but hot nonetheless. All right. Speaking of heat, we're taking a look at heat warnings that are in effect in the Northwest Territories as well as in Southern Ontario. That's normal for Ontario. Northwest Territories, not so much. But this is a result of the same ridge of high pressure that's bringing us our heat. So it it extends that far north. Meanwhile, to the south of us, a lot of active weather. You can see your lightning strikes on radar return. Some heavy rain south of Alberta. We too are looking at some active weather right here at home through the Okanagan the North Thompson region as well. Some lightning strikes here. We have been talking about the potential for thunderstorm risks throughout the day today. So areas marked in blue. We wouldn't rule it out that we could be picking up a thunderstorm still through the evening and the overnight hours. But then once this moves out of the way, that's the low that we can thank all this weather for. Once this pushes further south, we've got a ridge of high pressure that is building. It's taking over the entire province. That's what's bringing us the heat. Uh, When we have a high pressure ridge, air moves in a clockwise direction, so it's funneling up air from the south, and it's a hot air mass that it's certainly bringing in. Is this a sign of things to come, you may ask? In short, yes. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've been watching the, sh- the charts, and uh, it appears as though we're going to have an above-normal season for some time. So, unfortunately, the fire danger potential, it will be going up, unfortunately, and we are going to be looking at a more dry season. At this point, that's what the charts are showing. Meanwhile, for us in the BC Peace River region on Sunday, we continue to have gusty winds, 27 degrees, more clouds than sun, and then we start to uh, clear out on our Monday. 21 for you in Whitehorse today. Today's still looking uh, to be on the gusty side. However, sun and clouds in the forecast. On your Sunday, we're looking at 18 degrees along the north coast. This is where we're closer to seasonal temperatures, but then still temperatures on the rise. 19 on your Monday. 27 for you in the Caribou and the central interior. UV rays are very high, extremely high for much of the province, so practice your sun safety. 28 for you in the Columbia and the Kootenai region. Still a chance of thunder showers for tonight, as is the case for you in the Thompson and the Okanagan. But then we settle down. A very stable air, air mass comes upon us. Same thing goes for you and Whistler. A little bit more cloud cover. 30 degrees on your Sunday. 33, closer to Pember- Pemberton. 29 for you along Vancouver Island. That mostly for Victoria. Further north, even warmer in places like Port Alberni. Your five-day outlook for Metro Vancouver. Fathers out there, if you like sunshine, you'll like tomorrow. Sonia. I love it even more. I'm seeing like picnics, you know, that kind of go- going out instead of uh, spending money at restaurants and stuff. (laughs) Good idea. Thank you. Right. All right. Two giant landmarks in Jacksonville, Florida are no more today. impressive to see this kind of stuff. It took uh, less than 12 seconds for two cooling towers at a coal-fired power plant to come crashing down in controlled explosions this morning. It took about 10 weeks to prepare for this demolition. Uh, Crews had to carefully place more than 1,500 pounds of dynamite in just the right places. They are the second tallest cooling towers to be imploded in the world, and they were both well over the length of a football field. The power plant was closed back in January. 
Now, you might recognize some of these works of art, but if you take a closer look, and we'll wait for that to happen, there are no brush strokes. Instead, there are millions of tiny little Lego bricks all piecing this stuff together. This is a new exhibit in Pittsburgh. It is considered the world's largest Lego exhibit. Some kids in Calgary are stretching themselves as the school year winds down, and it is all thanks to a visiting teacher who's doing double duty. How's it going? Good. Good. Always a good day when this special guest stops by. Hi. Getting right down to the magic on the mats. Big breath in. A big breath of fresh air for these kids at Patrick Airely School. So cool because a police officer is teaching us how to do yoga. We're just going to open up our shoulders. And Something new for veteran that. constable Lisa Collier. And I work the downtown beats. I walk the beats and I did a comment in homicide. You guys got this. Now working in community policing, this is a big part of her life. I am a certified yoga teacher. There we go. Thanks to funding from the Police Foundation here twice a week as part of the CPS's school support program. Find your balance. Teaching the kids all kinds of poses. Warrior, Warrior one, one, two, two, two Warrior three. three. And then mountain pose. And downward dog. And down dog. Bringing her own twist, why not make it a police dog? You can even bark like a canine dog if you want. Unleashing a few other police poses. In yoga, this is called opening the gate, but we're going to open the patrol car. You can be tending to drive the car. Yeah. Whatever you want. It's just really relaxing if you're like having a bad day. And pretend that your hip bones are your headlights to the patrol car. When you're upset, it helps you become calm, happy, just relaxed. And our hands are now our overhead lights. And we're going to flash our lights, blue and red. Yoga is my thing. And what I love about it is it's not a competition. It's about doing whatever serves you best. Chaturanga! <laughs> Just like calms you down. So now we're not like so hyper in class. Our police helicopter. One propeller, here we go. They know that I'm a safe person that they can come and talk to if maybe something's going on in their life that is traumatic. And now we're flying! Leaving them all ready to head back to class. We're just calm, chilling. Support each other, you can do it. She becomes your friend. Gil Tucker, Global News. And let's slowly see if we can lift back up, lift back up. We did it! We did it! Yeah! yeah! Great balance. All right, Barry DeLay has got all your World Cup action that is coming up straight ahead. Plus, a little later, the diehard fans that are stopping at nothing just to watch the beautiful game. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. Uh, all your sport now. So if you're wanting an update on the World Cup, mm-hmm. this is the place. Yes. This is where you hang. <laughs> all right, thanks, Sonia. A very busy day at the World Cup in Russia. Four matches played, including a couple involving contenders. France and Argentina both figuring to make a deep run, but uh, nothing is guaranteed as Argentina found out in their opener versus Iceland. Argentina lost in the 2014 World Cup final to Germany. Iceland were Euro quarterfinalists in 2016, so they're a quality squad. 19th minute, Sergio Aguero turns and fires. Brilliant finish, 1-0 Argentina, but four minutes later, back come Iceland. Alfred Finnbogason on the rebound. First ever goal for Iceland at a World Cup. 1-1 in the 62nd. Argentina awarded a penalty. Lionel Messi from the spot. You figure the best in the world can't miss. He's denied. He has missed four of his last seven penalties taken in all competition. The ends 1-1. So Argentina's path just got tougher. France and Australia. The French, the 2016 Euro runners-up. A contender in Russia. 
tied at 1-1, 80th minute, Paul Pogba. Look at that little finish there, chips it in. That just crossed the line. They reviewed it, but it's the right call. It goes all the way across the line. It was in, it's a goal. France takes it 2-1, but the Aussies gave them a good fight. More from Group D, Croatia, Nigeria, first half. Croatia get on the board, off the corner kick. Off one head, another head, and the last touch off a Nigerian defender, so they call that an own goal. Croatia will take it anyway. It gets in, 1-0. Then in the second half, Croatia awarded a penalty, and it's Luka Modric who seals the deal. Croatia take it 2-0. They lead the group with three points. Argentina and Iceland have one apiece. And back to Group C, Peru, Denmark. Two teams hoping to get through to the group stage. Stoppage time, first half. Christian Cueva. That's not just a miss. That's an outright miss. Not even close. World Cup pressure does crazy things to these talented players. 59th minute, Danes on the attack. Yusuf Yure Polson perfectly placed with the left foot. 1-0 Denmark win, a huge victory. They now have the inside track to the knockout stage. Group F kicks off tomorrow, and once again, Germany is favored not only to win the group, but to go deep in the tournament. The defending champs are destined to finish first, but second place and a spot in the knockout stage will be up for grabs between Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. Here's Chanel with more. The Germans may be stronger than the side that won it all four years ago. They were 10-0 through qualifying, scoring a European record 43 goals. Germany also won the Confederations Cup two years ago and should continue to dominate. Tony Cruz will be the key in the midfield. Smart, precise, should inspire his team. The Germans should walk through this group and likely be headed to at least an appearance in the Final Four. The Mexicans are back again and were very impressive in qualifying, losing just once. Javier Hernandez and Herving Lozano lead the attack, but in the last six trips to the final, they've been knocked out in the round of 16 every time. If they do get out of here, likely in second, they will get a date with Brazil in the round of 16. Sweden stunned Italy in a playoff to qualify for the final. They can stand tall versus the very best and play better as a unit rather than a one-man team. And with no Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the roster, the Swedes will turn to Emil Forsberg to be the difference maker with his skill and set-piece threat. Their match versus Mexico likely determines which team advances. South Korea is traditionally built on great work ethic, but always lacking that killer instinct. Hyungmin Song will try to change that. The Tottenham forward has scored 26 league goals in the past two seasons, the defense did, however, struggle in qualifying, allowing 10 goals. Advancement likely not in the cards for South Korea. The Lions kick off their 2018 season in about 25 minutes at BC Place. With all of the changes in personnel and offensive scheme, it will take some time for the Lions to find some rhythm. Montreal's a good first opponent. They're considered the weakest in the East, but the Lions also missed the playoffs last year, so they're not taking this one lightly by any means. Different um, coach, different uh, coordinator. So uh, Stubler's back in Montreal. So uh, you know it'll, it'll be a good matchup. It'll be tough. Uh, they play a good. They got a good scheme. Got to make sure we're staying out of second and long. Um, but yeah, Montreal's been a good matchup for us in the last couple of years. Uh, it's been solid for us. But you know it's a new season, new team, new players, and uh, we got to go out there and execute. 
if you can uh, eliminate the big play, because you know it's only out of 50 plays, 60 plays, there's only five plays that really make a difference. So if you can eliminate the big play and just never give up the big play on defense, I feel like that's the biggest key to winning the game. CFL today, Johnny Manziel and the Ticats visiting the Stampeders. Manziel backing up Jeremiah Mazzoli. Late first, Mazzoli doing his Johnny football impression, running it in for a 13-yard touchdown. 7-6 Hamilton after one. Second quarter, how about this catch by the Stamps? Juwan Breskison, one-handed stab. But the Stamps did not get any points out of the drive, but it was Hamilton 11-9 at the half. But in the fourth quarter, Calgary finally gets into the end zone. Bo Levi Mitchell to Kamar Jordan. 20-11 stamps is the score right now, and they are in the fourth quarter. Welcome back. The U.S. Open is the toughest test in golf. It seems almost unfair at times, the way the USGA tricks up the course. But uh, Dustin Johnson seemed immune to all of the landmines over the first 36 holes, almost making it look easy at Shinnecock in upstate New York. He had a four-shot lead after firing two under-par rounds and seemed to lock to win a second U.S. Open in three years. Johnson did not tee off until 3 o'clock local time, some five hours before that. Daniel Berger and Tony Finau took advantage of uh, some better conditions. Both started the day 11 shots back. Long birdie by Berger. He shot a 466, as did Finau, who birdied the 18th. So they went... All the way up the leaderboard at plus three. They were seven shots back of Johnson when he teed off. Not everyone shot a low score in the morning. Phil Mickelson for bogey at 13. This is bizarre. Before the ball stops, Phil plays it, which is a two-stroke penalty. He said he did it on purpose, doing that, taking the two strokes rather than having it roll off the green. Whatever the case, Phil took a 10, shot an 81 plus 17. Ricky Fowler, by the way, shot an 84. He's at plus 16. Meanwhile, Dustin Johnson had a rough front nine. Double bogey the second. Made four more bogeys in the next five. The greens were hard and fast and the wind really kicked up in the afternoon, so it was tough to get anything going. He went from minus four to plus two. He actually lost his lead, but got back into first with this tremendous tee shot on the par three 11th. He would uh, then step up and make the birdie. So one over, tied with Brooks Kepka at that point, the 2017 U.S. Open champ. Kepka in contention again. How's this for a par save on the 14th from 61 feet? Kepka finished at plus three, tied with Berger and Finau. Justin Rose, another former U.S. Open champ, won it back in 2013. Nice read on the putt here, bends it in, plus four for Rose. He is one off the lead. Now, Dustin Johnson had this par putt on 18 to finish round three on top at plus two, but rolls it by, and we've got a four-way tie at the top. Johnson, Kepka, Berger, and Finau should be a great finish tomorrow at Shinnecock. Final round goes tomorrow. Canadian tour from Gallagher's Canyon in Kelowna. An interested spectator. Kimberly's Jared Dutois had the 36-hole lead looking for his first pro win, but trouble on the 11th. Wayward drive and then some follies in the bunker led to a triple bogey seven. But Dutois with a nice recovery. Three birdies on his final four holes, including this one in 18. Tied for second at minus 12. Three back of the leader, American George Cunningham final round tomorrow at Gallagher's Canyon. Baseball today, Mariners and Red Sox. Seattle in a wild card spot right now. 20 games over 500. they They're playing great ball. They're just a game 
out of first with Houston leading the AL West and a pitcher's duel here today. Nelson Cruz will single in D. Gordon. That's the only run of the game right now. one nothing M's in the sixth. And earlier, the Blue Jays taking on the Washington Nationals, a great pitcher's duel. Nats ace Max Scherzer always in the Cy Young hunt versus the Jays' Marco Estrada. Scherzer's only mistake, this two-run shot by Devon Travis in the fifth. 2 nothing Blue Jays. Estrada, meanwhile, combined with four other Jays pitchers on a three-hit shutout, gets Bryce Harper to end the sixth. Jays take it 2-0. First time they have shut out an opponent all season long. All right, we're just getting some breaking news on a wildfire that has been reported near McKenzie in central BC. These pictures uh, sent in by a global viewer shows large billowing smoke from the blaze. Now, he says the fire is burning close to the highway. Uh, residents worried that it could block access in and out of town. Uh, BC Wildfire Service says it was sparked by lightning. Right now, the fire is small. It's less than a hectare in size, but it does remain uncontained. So we'll keep a very close eye on how that develops uh, throughout the next few hours. Finally tonight, it has been a gorgeous day here, but not everybody has been heading outside. As Paul Johnson reports, nothing has been stopping these diehard fans from rooting for their home country in this, this year's World Cup. Striking up the tunes from the old country. And why not? It's a beautiful day at the Croatian Cultural Center, and this might just be the year of that winning team. Finally, it's best team now. One of the great things about living in a diverse country like Canada is that no matter where the World Cup is happening, you can get all the culture from the participating countries right here in Vancouver. Check out Peter Glavasic's Croatian sheepskin. That's some sweaty summer gear. Absolutely, but I wouldn't take it off for the life of me right now. I've got to represent. I bought it. I'm not going to wear it to work, so now's the time to wear it. Indeed it is, but anything to help cut the tension of a penalty kick. <laughs> a few hours previous, it was a totally different scene with fans who'd gotten up at 6 a.m. to watch this tournament's most improbable contestant. Iceland! While the United States failed to qualify for the World Cup, tiny Iceland did. And with half of Icelanders still believing in elves, why not a shot at soccer's biggest prize? And their national cheer is positively terrifying. Oh, from Iceland! Both Iceland and Croatia did well today. And the team from that sunny Balkan country actually has a legitimate shot at winning its group this year. If that happens, there's going to be a lot of music and Schlievovitz in East Van this summer. Paul Johnson, Global News. You cannot beat so the accordions. Fun. You cannot beat the accordions. <laughs> Love that. That is just brilliant. So we're going to see more of that as well, of course. And England play on... England play Monday against Tunisia. Yes, Tunisia. Or yeah. Tunisia, as we may say here. But yeah, say in England they say Tunisia. Okay. Yeah. So I'll get my England shirt ready. What do they say in Tunisia? Belmont, yeah. Belmont. I don't know. Mount. I need a good pub. Any recommendations oh, on a good I'm pub? Oh, I'm sure you can find one. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs>